Republican candidate Rick Williams is a middle Georgia native who grew up in Gordon and graduated from Baldwin High School. He is the co-owner, funeral director, and certified crematory operator at Williams Funeral Home. Williams has represented the 145th Georgia House District since 2017. Representative Williams, thank you for joining me today on WRGC 88.3 FM. Thank you. Always good to be with you, Daniel. With all of the pressing issues facing us as a state, what, in your opinion, other than the budget, what do you think the first order of business should be when the legislature convenes in January? It's mainly to make sure that uh, our economy is back going strong and that the small businesses that have been affected by the pandemic that we can reach out and help them get back established, get back on their feet, get Georgians back working. Georgia was named the number one state to do business with for seventh year in a row just recently. And, um, you know, our economy, even though we have gone through this pandemic, the restaurant industries have been hurt, automobile sales have been hurt, but Tax revenues, and I've just been informed that our August tax revenues are up 7.7% for August of 2020 compared to August of 2019. 2019, we didn't have the pandemic going, so we're seeing a, a strong economy. We've seen the lowest jobless rate since records have been kept. This pandemic caused a lot of harm and a lot of chaos and has a lot of people hurting and we've got to help those people get through this and that's our job as a state to help one another and to do more and i've been noticing how more people are starting to eat out there and the restaurants are home delivery and a lot of people are picking up and carrying food out uh, and drive through and the touchless and everybody is uh, cooperating very well. They're wearing masks. They're being safe. You're seeing uh, more people more conscious of different things in their surroundings than we ever have. So uh, as we go back um, in session, it's going to be to do what we can to stimulate industry and listening to economists speak, uh, the state of Georgia, our housing industry is booming right now. Buying and selling of real estate, if you look at the real estate transactions in the newspapers locally, you'll see there's a lot of transactions taking place. People are buying and selling. Uh, people are building. I've spoken to so many builders and now they're starting to run out of building supplies. And I think that's been from the pandemic and some of the factories shutting down for a period of time and trying to figure out how to operate safely and get their people back working and get back to manufacturing garage doors, windows, entry doors, and uh, other building materials. But the builders are uh, wide open. They're... Uh, the cost of building materials has skyrocketed from the shortage. So we're hoping that um, 
they'll all get back um, in production very soon. As I'm listening to public radio and other stations and other news media, I'm hearing more and more people talking about they're hiring. Uh, they're looking for workers. So now we've got to get people back to work, get them trained where we need them trained, and uh, get Georgians back to work and get our nation back moving and get our state back moving. Many candidates run for office because they want to see change in the way government operates. What do you want to change about state government, and how will you measure the impact of your time in office? Well, as I have gone to work in the legislature, then I have been open and I'm very responsive to my constituents and to the public. Most people realize and know that on my cards and on all of my letterheads is my personal cell number. People call my personal cell number all the time, and I'm responsive to those people, whether it's uh, problems with drawing their unemployment, uh, medical insurance, health insurance, other issues, other avenues, even trying to get some people who have... Uh, been incarcerated and they're trying to get an early release and for nonviolent crimes and things of that nature. So, you know, a lot of my job is to help people locally as they face obstacles with state agencies. And that's a lot of what I do. I probably handle 35 to 40 calls every couple of days of people who have issues. And um, thankfully, at my age, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a workhorse. I'm not a show horse. Uh, I work, and I'm available seven days a week, and I work seven days a week for the people. I'm um, lucky that uh, my family uh, is very involved in our family business, and my sons and family, they run our family businesses while I'm taking care of state business. And when I come home, then I go to work alongside my family in our business. I know what it is to be in business and to build a business from basically nothing and to create jobs. And that's what it's all about is creating jobs. And, you know, I, I hear complaints and things on our school system, but let me tell you, we have a fine school system here in Baldwin County and Putnam County in our districts. Um, the House and the Senate has fully funded QBE, quality basic education, for the past three years. No teachers have been furloughed from this pandemic. We've been able to, as the legislature and, our house, and the House, our main responsibility is to pass a balanced budget. Georgia is a state that, in its constitution, we're a balanced budget state. We cannot go in debt. We cannot borrow money. We have to operate with what we have. But we've been able to shift and move things around to make sure that our teachers are not furloughed, that they have received paychecks. And let me tell you, these school teachers have really stepped up. They're not only teaching, they are online teaching, classroom teaching. They're 
you know, they're spending many, many hours. They're actually working harder now uh, because they're pulled in so many different directions. And we've got to support them. And, you know, there's so many exciting things going on in Georgia. There's more jobs being created all over Georgia. I know that people keep saying, well, there's, you know, all the jobs are going to Atlanta. Well, they're spreading out. Let me tell you, I get uh, news every day of different factories and different things happening all over the state of Georgia. We just opened the kitchen, uh, the Parham Kitchen out at Central State Hospital, and they put on people. They're working, they're hiring, they're training, and they are great jobs. We have medical cannabis people that are coming to the same campus. They're going to be creating 250 high-paying jobs. Um, and they're going to be putting local people to work, local people from our county, from neighboring counties. All of these jobs create something. And with the uh, completion of the Fall Line Freeway, 441 widening is going to resume very shortly, and you'll notice as you're going out of uh, Eatonton toward I-20, toward Madison, some of the clearing taking place on both sides of the road as uh, the DOT has bought up property and they're removing structures and, and they're getting ready to start that back. So uh, there's a lot happening in middle Georgia. Right. And so uh, to recap, it suffice to say that um, you want to see the state government uh, to be a leading force for economic development and the way that you measure the impact of your time in office is by the um, health of the economy uh, in your area. That is correct. Uh, I was appointed to another committee besides appropriations and appropriations is, uh, well, we disperse money and we work on the budget, governmental affairs, higher education, Intergovernmental coordination. Intergovernmental coordination is uh, one of those committees that you get put on because you've had experience as local government. You know, pretty much everyone who is serving in the legislature has served on the local level at one time or another. I served as a county commissioner and also served as a chairman of the county commission. So I'm familiar with local government and how it operates. I also was chief registrar for 16 years. So I've served my committee locally. I've lived in this community for 50 years. People know me. People know that I am accessible and uh, that I'm going to be fair. I'm going to listen, and I'm here to work for them. And uh, we're going we're gonna to keep plugging. We, um, Besides that, I'm on the public safety, homeland security. This is where I interact with all the public uh, safety officials and homeland security officials and law enforcement. I'm also on regulated industries. Regulated industries is, uh, regulates all of the licensed industries that come into Georgia. I'm the chairman of the alcohol and tobacco subcommittee of regulated industries. So anything that has to do 
with the temperance committee that comes to the legislature comes before me. And I don't get these positions by not working and working for the people, and this is what I've committed to do. I've just been appointed to the Special Committee on Economic Growth. This is a committee that was uh, set up by the Speaker, and uh, our we're looking at industries which may wish to enter the state of Georgia and would require legislation creating a new regulatory framework. So you can see that Georgia has industry on their minds. Seven years in a row to be the number one state to do business. We're, we're committed, and we get this commitment from working hard for the people and being responsive to the people. Well, one area of government that does have a direct input back into economic development, of course, is health care and access to health care. Now, I know we've talked before, uh, Georgia has seen seven hospitals close in recent years, and there have been two more announcements about hospital closures that will take place by the end of the year. Now, what needs to be done to maintain adequate health care, specifically in our rural parts of the state? Here again, we're going to have to look at not just expanding Medicaid, but Medicaid waivers and what it can do. The Medicaid waivers um, will bring health care more in line and helping more people that are not covered by medical insurance. You know, if you go back and you look at regulated industries, we actually held hearings this last session on destination resorts. Destination resorts sometimes are referred to as casinos. And, you know, I hear people say, well, I'm not in favor of gambling in Georgia. I'm not in favor of gambling in Georgia. Well, folks, we already have gambling in Georgia. We have gambling through the lottery. This lottery has had one of the biggest years ever this year. Because of the pandemic, more people have spent money on the lottery. Um, they, the lottery, and a lot of people don't understand how that operates, but we've audited the lottery, the regulated industries. That was part of our job this year. And they are very financially stable and have money in reserve, well more than what anyone ever thought they would have had. But we were looking at uh, the destination resorts, and in those, if you look at the ones built in Alabama or built on any of the Indian reservations, and the one in Cherokee, North Carolina, is the number one destination resort in the world. In the world, not in just the United States. But we had dedicated any monies that came from those destination resorts to go straight to health care. This was uh, what we had decided, that if this was something, and, you know, we were not going to decide whether or not we were going to allow it. What we wanted to do is let the local statewide people vote on whether or not to allow destination resorts. If it were to pass statewide, then it would be up to the local community 
to decide whether or not if they want it. Again, it would be voted on. So this is not something that would be spread like wildfire and every county could have it, but it would certainly could perform an economic boost to the state of Georgia. And um, the only way I would be in favor of it whatsoever would be that it went straight to health care and the amount of money that it would generate would actually cover every person in the state of Georgia. If Florida, you know, has no personal income tax, very possibly that would have done away with all the income tax and very well most of it in the state of Georgia. We, uh, this uh, Senate Bill 106 Patients First Act was a Republican plan to address more than a million of Georgians uninsured population, many of whom are working but can no longer afford the high premiums associated with uh, health care coverage. The 115 waiver allows Georgia to fill the gap created by the ACA, where those uh, under 100% can now receive Georgia Medicaid. Previously, under 100% did not qualify for Medicaid and was not included to qualify for the marketplace exchange plan. So we've definitely got to work on the hospitals. Now, you can't say that just because Medicaid has not been expanded is why the hospitals are closing. People are using the hospital emergency room rather than going to doctor's offices. They are going because they know they will not be turned away. They don't have the insurance. Some people are just going because it's convenient. This is placing a big burden on these hospitals, and we've got to do more. And we promise we are working on it and will do more to help health care and to help these hospitals. You know, we created just a few years ago, a couple of three years ago, the tax deduction that people could actually make donations to hospitals, to their rural hospital and it would actually reduce the amount of income tax they had to pay to the state. We have had so many, many people take advantage of that here in Baldwin County and Putnam County and other counties. And so we, we've got to be more proactive, and we will be working more. And, of course, um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, you mentioned uh, twice uh, during your last response about the expansion of Medicaid. Um, that is something that is benefiting other states uh, with federal taxpayer dollars, uh, but yet Georgia does not um, take in uh, that money which its taxpayers are sending to the federal government. Would you at this time uh, be in favor of the expansion of Medicaid should that come before the legislature next year or in years to come? Well, as you know, Daniel, that actually was voted on and passed before I even got elected. Mm. So I've never had the opportunity to vote on whether or not to expand Medicaid. This is something that we're looking at the waiver program, and more states now have joined up and looking at the same waiver program that we are. You know, once, uh, you know, the feds do not have an unlimited amount of money. They, you know, they keep borrowing money, but they, 
they have started cutting back on the amount of subsidy that they're giving to some of those states. You know, you have to remember what Medicaid was set up for. Medicaid was set up to help the poorest of the poor, the sickest of the sick. We have worked to control medicine cost. We have rolled back some restrictions that um, allowed some pharmaceutical companies to just set their own price. We have worked hard to roll that back. We've worked hard to pass the surprise medical billing act this year that the governor has signed so you know there's more than just saying expand medicaid because there's more cogs to that wheel that can't simply be fixed by just saying expand medicaid because there again it's the people in the nursing homes the people who have no income the people who have less than two thousand dollars worth of assets that can even draw Medicaid. So Medicaid is not the answer, and expanding Medicaid, as I said, uh, can't be the answer because Medicaid is for the sickest of the sick, the poorest of the poor. They're paying people's uh, hospital bills, doctor's bills, the people who do not have assets, the people who are working, the people who have jobs, this is where we've got to make health care affordable. We've got to be more creative and do things to help them have health care. But to just expand Medicaid is not a fix-all and would place a more financial burden on the taxpaying citizens of the state. So this is something we have to continue working on and looking at, and we promise we will, and we are continuing to look at that. Of course, the United States is currently undertaking its constitutionally mandated headcount, the U.S. Census. After the count, the next order of business is redrawing lines for all Georgia congressional and legislative districts. Now, given how contentious this process has become, should the legislature continue to redraw these districts or should they hand the process over to a neutral party? And why do you answer in the way that you do? Well, there again, I guess I've um, all my life I've been more for the person and more for the position rather than just signing on because someone had a, a, a title in front of their name or beside their name. So there again, I'm not so sure that turning it over to the parties is the right thing to do as well as much as a bipartisan, nonpartisan uh, way might be to do that you know first let's look and see where the the uh, population has gone and um, you know there again you know we, we're pretty well I think leveraged and I think we're pretty well represented throughout the state you know and and I hear a lot of people make reference to Republican or De Democrat because he's this because she's that let me tell you, my seatmates next to me are Democrats. We talk a lot. We share views a lot. We pray together every morning. We pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States every morning together. We hold hands. 
the Republican and Democrats um, that are sitting beside me. If you don't believe me, you can go watch any of our sessions as they're all recorded and they're placed in archives. And this is something that very rarely do we vote apart. Usually on issues, 98% of the time, we vote the same. There's not that big a difference. We all want a better Georgia. We all want better for our constituents. We all want to see Georgia moving in a positive direction. And we want to do this together. And you'll see us talking and exchanging ideas. As you look on my website or on my Facebook page, you'll find me with Vernon uh, Jones, one of my closest and dearest friends, who's a Democrat but is supporting President Donald Trump. But we have exchanged uh, ideas on issues. We've mediated and, you know, as you go to Atlanta and you go to work in the legislature, as uh, longtime Senator Culver Kidd told me many years ago, is compromise. You can't go and get your way all the time, every day. You're going to go. You're going to give a little. You're going to take a little. And this is what we continue to do to try to find the right way. You know, we have 180 members of the House of Representatives. We've got 180 different personalities. We've got 180 different ideas. And um, as I've served my two sessions, I have passed four bills. Two were signed uh, the previous session by Governor Kemp, and that expanded uh, the uh, HOPE scholarship. And it didn't penalize someone for being in the military. And I have received many thank you cards and thank you phone calls from people who have completed their service in the United States military. They've come home and they've been able to go back to college because of that expanded Hope Scholarship. And, you know, that's the satisfaction that I get that I've helped people. And I didn't ask them when they called, are you Republican, are you Democrat? I just told them, thank you, God bless you, and keep keep plugging and keep chopping and keep doing the best you can. And, uh, you know, I've, I've reached across the aisle, and I've been introduced on in numerous occasions as someone that reaches across the aisle. And I think possibly when it comes to uh, looking at the uh, dividing up the districts and everything that we, we, we talk about it and we look at it. And I think the process has improved through the years. And maybe it's not as contentious as some people try to make it out just at election time. But I think a lot of things do work more smoothly than people give us credit for doing. And I just want to reflect back to you to make sure that um, I understand uh, your position. It sounded at the beginning of your response that um, uh, you would support a a the handing over of the that process to a uh, a neutral party. Um, 
but it also sounds like uh, you'd also support uh, just the um, uh, the maintaining of the process that we have now in which the um, task goes to the legislature and uh, the uh, they appoint a committee and then they redraw the lines. Uh, do you have a preference for the two or, um, you know, is it uh, I, I, I just want to I just want to be clear. I apologize. No, that's quite all right. And I'm, I'm not sure that I have a preference at this time. You know, um, I, I look at uh, things and I would like to hear more. Uh, I've not gone through this uh, type of appropriations and this type of uh, uh, this dividing up and the precincts and the uh, districts. I've never experienced that. It's done after the census every 10 years, and uh, I hope to have the opportunity, and I plan on having the opportunity to be there to work on it, and I promise to be as fair as I can and be as fair as possible and to make sure that everyone has the right and every vote is, uh, is counted and that nothing is done to dilute anyone's vote or anyone's access to voting and and to make sure that every american and every georgian has the opportunity to to voice an opinion and i'd like to hear more from our constituents and i'd like to hear more arguments for and against daniel so you know i guess it's kind of a let's let's wait and see on this issue fair enough fair enough and uh you know, we are living through uh, one of the most divisive times in our nation's history. What must elected officials do to pull our nation together? And how will you lead that effort um, as one of our uh, elected representatives? There again, leaving politics out of it, but just being a community-minded person, I've met with Many people, several people have asked me to sit on a committee of bringing our community back together, and I certainly will do that and will be honored to do that, not uh, making any political statement other than leading as a leader that we've got to go back to peace. You know, uh, I, I have chickens and that's kind of my hobby is raising chickens and I have the Americanas and Rhode Island Reds and Buff Orpingtons and the others and you know as I collect eggs every evening and um, my children grandchildren uh, call them the Easter Eggers the, from the Americanas they're blue and pink and a greenish hue to those eggs but when you crack open that egg you got the same color white and the same color yolk and all the eggs, once you crack them open, look the same. And that's always been my attitude. And I think it um, showed from my work as chief registrar in Baldwin County for 16 years. You know, people who are opposing me now came to me for help and knew that I would help them and be fair and do the right thing. Even as registrar, I would never take a Republican or a Democrat stance. It was always, let's go by the law, let's be fair, let's do the right thing. And that's, again, what it comes down to is doing the right thing and being considerate of one another. Every night, uh, as my wife and I prepare to have uh, dinner, we pray, and we pray 
for God to heal this world, to stop this pandemic, to bring us together, to make peace in our world. And this is something I continue to pray for, we continue to pray for, and we will continue to work for. And I reach out to my fellow brothers and sisters here in this community and, you know, to let's find peace. You know, when my father came and opened our business back in 1969, we ran ambulance service, and we were the emergency ambulance service in this county. And we were called to go to accidents, shootings, cuttings, heart attacks, babies being born. We never asked what color is the person. We just went. Someone needed help. We were there to help them. And that has been my goal in my life. And I have taught that uh, to my children, my grandchildren, just as my father taught me and my siblings to be a friend, to reach out and help someone in need. So, Daniel, you know, that's my heart. And uh, I think the people know me. I've lived here for 50 years. They've, uh, you know, that's a, that's a time to prove myself and prove my effectiveness and to prove that I can get things done and I will get things done and continue working for the people of our district. I want to reserve the last question for you and give you that opportunity to talk directly to our radio audience. Why should they vote for you? Well, here again, look at experience. Look at the individual. What is their goal? You know, uh, I started, took over the family business when I was 23 years old, 24 years old. And so that was in 1975. And so I've have a history of serving this community. I have a history of being truthful to people in this community. I have a history of being the same person today that I was 50 years ago. I have a history of working tirelessly of whatever it takes to help whoever I can and whoever I could, irregardless of race, religion, denomination, anything. None of that matters to me. We're all human, and we all answer to the same God. And this is something that I believe in strongly and I will believe in. You know, I was not a veteran, but my father was. And we have passed many, many bills that helps veterans here in the state of Georgia. You know, some people claim to be veterans and claim to have served in some branch of military, and they didn't. And I ask people to look at that, to look at their history, to ask questions to, to what has been our service. I've been a member of the JCs, the Chamber of Commerce. I've been a member of the NAACP right here in Milledgeville. I have been a member of a lot of things, Kiwanis Club, Lions Club. I've, I've been in the service uh, of helping people all my life. 
and I guess one of my slogans was a lifetime of caring, and that's what I have done, and that's what I will continue to do. And a, you know, of not just a show horse, but I'm a workhorse. I work behind the scenes. Yes, I do have uh, uh, a lot of committees, and I get those committees because I've worked. And I have attended those meetings. I've not missed committee meetings. You know, I, I, I show up for all those committee meetings and uh, uh, even committees that I do not serve on. I go to their meetings to see what they're doing and to see what they're doing to help our fellow Georgians. And I've gone to committee members and I've worked with them on issues on their committees. So, you know, I have the time to do that. Um, I'm not working to uh, make a living for my family. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've reached this kind of semi-retirement age where my sons or and our staff that have been with us for many years have taken over and you know, they continue to run our family business and businesses, and uh, we continue working. I continue working for the people, and they tell me, Dad, go ahead. You go do that. We've got this. And uh, so it's, um, it's, it's serving the people, and serving the people is what I like and love, and it's not about me, but it's about you, the voter. And I just want to make sure that everyone does register to vote and everyone votes and one vote can make a difference. One vote will make a difference, believe me. We've seen it in local elections. I remember one city council race uh, back in 1990s that was won by one vote. So it, it can make a difference. So, uh, you know, let's step up. Let's work together to make our community back what it was as a loving, just a home feeling community that everyone loves. You know, I've talked to so many people that have moved here from out of state and even California, New York, Chicago, and they tell me, we love it down here. Everybody's friendly. It's a slower pace. We love it down here. So, uh, you know, we've, we've got to work together to pull our community back together and, and to treat each other with dignity and respect that we all deserve. I thank you, Daniel, for the opportunity to visit with you today. God bless America. God bless the state of Georgia. And dear Lord, please heal this world and stop this virus and heal this pandemic, dear Lord. Thank you, Daniel. Representative Rick Williams, thank you for joining me today and talking with our radio audience here on WRDC 88.3 FM.